0: Put your little hand in mine, there ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb, babe, I got you, babe, I got you, babe, okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties because it's
1: cold out there, it's cold out there. Every day. What is this, Miami Beach? I don't Don think Hardly. So. Especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chap lips. On their chap lips. That's right. Lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see his shadow? Punks of Tawny Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day! <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to
2: all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com.
3: Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. We're continuing the year of the Time Traveler, and we have got a fun movie to discuss today. And I can't do it by myself, which is why I have my good friend and awesome co-host, Tom, with me. Sir, how are you today? Everything's good, (laughs)
2: woodchuckers.
3: Happy Groundhog Day.
2: Happy
3: Groundhog Day. Due to uh, poor planning on our part, where we should have had this episode come out on Groundhog Day, We're actually going to record on Groundhog Day and talk about the film Groundhog Day. Due to poor planning on our part,
2: we forgot to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, am I getting ahead of myself? Uh,
3: It's going to be a fun uh, discussion. It's been a long time since I'd watched that movie, and it was kind of fun to revisit it.
2: Yes, definitely, uh, because it it occurred to me I hadn't actually tried this one in in a while, and and had forgotten some very important points, like, this is a Harold Ramis movie.
3: Yeah, I actually had forgotten that as well, that it was a, a, a Murray-Ramus uh, team-up, and one of the, I think it was their last, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll get into that. Uh, I think we'll get into that a little bit when we start to discussing the film. But yes, like you, there was a, I had memories of the film, and I had impressions, I guess, uh, of the movie, and um, yeah, watching it, Some of those were kind of shaken, but in a good way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we don't have any real uh, other news stories or anything uh, else to really discuss at the top of the show, so I thought I would at least talk a a little bit about the history of Groundhog Day. On February 2nd, uh, these uh, excerpts I'm going to read here are actually right from uh, history.com. On February 2nd, 1887, Groundhog Day, featuring a rodent meteorologist, is celebrated for the first time at Gobbler's Knob in Puxitani Pennsylvania. According to tradition, if a groundhog comes out of its hole on this day and sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into its burrow, predicting six more weeks of winter weather. No shadow means an early spring. And as Tom has uh, let me know, because I didn't know ahead of time, apparently that's exactly what happened uh. This Groundhog Day, we get six more weeks. We did indeed, yes.
2: Phil saw his shadow.
3: Groundhog Day has its roots in the ancient Christian tradition of candle moss, when clergy would bless and distribute candles needed for winter. The candles represented how long and cold the winter would be. Germans expanded on this concept by selecting an animal, the hedgehog, as a means of predicting weather. Once they came to America, German settlers in Pennsylvania continued the tradition, although they switched from hedgehogs to groundhogs, which were plentiful in the Keystone State. In 1887, a newspaper editor belonging to a group of groundhog hunters from Puxetani, called the Puxatawney Groundhog Club declared that Phil, the Puxatawney Groundhog, was America's only true weather forecasting groundhog. The line of groundhogs that have since been known as Phil might be America's most famous groundhogs, but other towns across North America now have their own weather-predicting rodents, from Birmingham's Bill to Staten Island Chuck to Shuba... Shubin, Shubin, I don't know how to say this. Shuba Sam in Canada. I Canadian listeners, uh, could you actually send a... Sure. A voicemail, a recorded message on how that's pronounced. Yeah, break it down
2: for <laughs> us. Give us the pronunciation. In
3: 1993, the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray popularized the usage of Groundhog Day to mean something that is repeated over and over. Today, tens of thousands of people converge on Gobbler's Knob and Puxitani each February 2nd to witness Phil's prediction. The Puxitani Groundhog Club hosts a three-day celebration featuring entertainment and activities. Uh, You were telling me that we had a a death in the groundhog community. Yeah,
2: you know, we don't like to focus so much on celebrity death. I mean, we do talk about them once in a while when some of our favorite actors and some of our uh, favorite genre films have passed. Uh, But since today is Groundhog Day, we have to mourn the passing of Milltown, New Jersey's Milltown Mel, mel their groundhog passed away literally the day before groundhog's day so he did not get to fulfill his mission oh he pulled a betty white he did pull a betty white uh (laughs) and i don't know what that says for this year that the groundhog is out before he can even do his job
3: well, at least it wasn't Phil. Can you imagine what would happen if that had been Puxitani? I, I, I'd be in mourning today, actually. <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd assume that all the other end-of-world predictions were wrong, and this is the true telling. <laughs>
2: See, I, I have decided for a long time now, uh, even independent of the Groundhog Day film, that Groundhog Day is simply the most fabulous holiday ever conceived. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's... It's just so much fun and so nonsensical. <laughs> and
3: I was going to say, it's the, it's the pure nonsense quality, isn't it?
2: it? It truly is, and it is one of my greatest, uh, it, it, it's a bucket list kind of item. I, I want to eventually have a special someone in my life, and I want to go spend Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney. I think that would just be absolutely <laughs> yes. fantastic.
3: I bet you it would be a lot of fun, because you know, and I think it's even mentioned in the film, that those uh, festivals and everything always have the best food.
2: I, well, yeah, anytime you have yourself uh, a, a festival rooted around German tradition, you've got to have some good food.
3: Yes, <laughs> and beer. And beer. <laughs> and good beer. It will flow, Yes. <laughs> So that's a little bit of the history of Groundhog Day. I uh, don't have anything else. I haven't really been watching anything that really fits the theme of our uh, our series. So I won't uh, mention anything else now. Uh, Tom, I don't think you've had either. I know both of our lives have been... Uh, a little bit of turmoil over the last couple weeks. Y- yes, uh, good and <laughs> Not bad. necessarily all bad or anything, but... No, no, no.
2: It's just uh, the, the professional lives outside of uh, outside of the fun that we have here uh, have progressed, and good for us both, uh, but it keeps us busy.
3: <laughs> yes, things have been in flux. We'll just say that yes. much. So let's uh, go ahead and take a break. We'll listen to a promo for another podcast, and when we come back, we will discuss 1993's Groundhog Day.
0: Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb.
1: out there every day. What is this? Miami Beach? God I not Hardly think so. especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chap lips. On their chap, chap lips chapped right lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see his shadow Tony Phil That's right woodchuck chuckers It's Groundhog Day Hello, ahoy My name is Adam And I'm Nick And this is the Bottom of the Stream podcast A never ending quest to find hidden movie gems on Netflix <laughs> uh,
2: Every week we watch a random movie that we find on the stream And we talk about it for about an hour
1: uh, yeah but as well as that we round up the news of the week and uh, we usually mention what we've been watching at the top of the stream
2: yeah so if you're into netflix and you enjoy watching stuff on there give us a listen
1: join us aboard our podcast boat
2: as we navigate the perilous water available now wherever you get your podcasts it's
4: time a thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania.
1: Phil! Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling
3: belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing!
4: But Phil's about to find out he's not just stuck in Puxatawney.
3: Will
1: you be checking out today, Mr. Connors?
4: Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck (laughs) Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and
1: over. Bill?
4: Ned Ryerson? Bing! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster?
1: I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen.
4: Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious.
1: Bill? Will you be checking out today, Mr.
0: Connors?
4: I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. <laughs> but now... We could do whatever we want. He's discovering the possibilities.
0: Don't you worry about cholesterol?
4: Why? And living life Mm. like there's no tomorrow. Phil
0: Connors!
1: Ned!
4: Because there isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most. What
0: are you looking for? Phil, a date for the weekend?
4: Means living this day over again, <laughs> till he gets it right.
0: Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry.
4: <gasps> what a waste of time!
0: I studied 19th century French poetry.
4: La fille qui là.
0: You speak French.
4: Oui. Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, to the Groundhog.
0: Always drink to world peace. Well, what should we drink to?
1: I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace.
4: Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. He might be okay. Yes! We're Life has a funny way of repeating itself.
0: What did you do today?
4: Oh, same old, same old.
3: Bill Murray plays Phil Connors, a selfish and rude Pittsburgh TV weatherman who travels to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover the events surrounding the annual Groundhog Day celebration. What he thinks is just another boring assignment with his cameraman and new producer Rita, played by Chris Elliott and Andy McDowell, respectively, turns into a nightmare when he finds himself stuck in a time loop that no one else is aware of, and he has to relive February 2nd over and over. And over. (laughs) And Dover. And over, and over. <laughs> Am, I right? Am 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 I right? As we were saying at the top of the show, it has been a long time since we had watched this film. This was a, a DVD I've had on the shelf. It was probably one of those things where we bought it when it came to DVD, put it on the shelf, probably never watched it. I'm surprised this, the cellophane wasn't still
2: on it. This is one of those films that, especially given its nature, the the, the notion of the repetitive nature of, well, life in general, but in this particular case of this particular day, um, because it reinforces itself over and over and over again in the film, there's never a time where you don't think that you haven't watched it recently. It... it it gets into your psyche after you've seen it um, and if you've enjoyed it it lives there it's part you know, of you
3: yeah how many times have lines or scenes from the movie popped into your head because of something else that's going on I mean how many times have you looked at someone and wanted to go Ned
2: Ryerson <laughs> <laughs> that first step's a doozy yeah no everything about it is an instant classic and it sticks in your brain and it's it's comfortable and 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 to this day i you've already mentioned it before this movie set groundhog day as the trope the idea of reliving the same thing over and over again i mean that wasn't really a part of Groundhog Day, but it is now forever.
3: Yeah, I think it's so interesting that the writer decided, you know, he wanted to put it around a holiday of some kind. Mm-hmm. What holiday? And being a romantic comedy, you at some point, whether it was uh, the original story or when uh, Ramis or or someone had started working on the screenplay, you would think, well, would let's switch it to Valentine's Day. Or something like that. Uh, Make up some festival or something that some town is having for some other holiday. It would have been really easy. But they're like, no, Groundhog Day. Why not?
2: (laughs) And, And this goes back to like what I was saying even prior to that. That movie is it's the absurdity of the event itself. So if you're going to tell a story about the farce of life. Why not do it on what is essentially one of the most absurd holidays ever? Which makes it also the most fun holiday ever. (laughs) It's just, it's ridiculous. And and, and if you really get down to the root of uh, Groundhog Day, like I said, I got up this morning and immediately looked uh, for what Phil had said. And if you think about it, Groundhog Day is over by about 8 a.m., <laughs> so. So there's no event. <laughs> it, right. the, the day is just it, it's like 5 minutes of time and and that's it. And but this is a whole holiday.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, by the time most people are waking up and getting ready to go to work, the answer is already out yeah, there. It's oh. It's over. <laughs> Especially because, you know, he's on the East Coast. So by the time Central or, or the West Coast start getting up, over done with Everyone can go home now.
2: <laughs> like the clock says in the movie when it turns six o'clock, he's almost late at that
3: point. Right.
0: <laughs> then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb.
1: It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? I so. hardly. Especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chapped lips. On their chapped, chapped lips, right. lips. Do you think Phil's going to come out and see his shadow? Tony Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers, it's Groundhog
3: Day! Yeah, and also, as you mentioned, completely forgot that Harold Ramis was uh, the director on this one
2: director um he's co uh screenplay writer and Mm -hmm. and a cameo
3: yeah and does do a cameo he was the neurologist wasn't he he was i'm like i like
2: damn i almost i totally forgot he was in it
3: yeah that was you definitely feel like you're kind of doing like the ah hitchcock (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah this was a one of many uh Bill Murray and Harold Ramis team ups. Mm-hmm. You know their career together go back years. You know we're talking like uh, Stripes, Caddyshack, of course Ghostbusters, my personal favorite. This actually, this film actually put a big rift between their between them. Uh, it it. They had a big difference of opinion about this film and about the script. Bill Murray was really attracted to the kind of the more. Philosophical um, nature of the of the story, and Harold Ramis was like, "Yeah, but it has to be a comedy." And they actually butted heads a lot on this, and it 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 drove a drove a wedge between them. That up until just shortly before Harold Ramis passed away, uh, they really didn't speak to each other. Apparently, they started uh, communicating and kind of mending the fences, I guess, a little bit. Uh, between them, uh, towards the end of uh, Ramus's life, which I'm I'm glad well, of. Yeah. I'd hate to think that these two that worked so well together for so long. I'm glad that Harold Ramus didn't pass away before he and Bill Murray kind of came to terms with uh, the any issues that they had between them. At least I hope they did.
2: Well, uh, yeah, no, I well, yeah, we we weren't there, so um, yeah. But yeah, no, you, you kind of think that's kind of
3: sad because. Uh,
2: It's interesting that this is the project that might have split them apart because it turned out so well. And I think it hit on both fronts.
3: It does. And I I can see both of their points. Uh, Bill Murray, I think, up to this point, was the screwball comedy guy. Right. And I think he was wanting to do something else. And he saw this as a potential avenue to allow him to do that. And it was in this film that we got to see him be, you know, we got to see Bill Murray be quiet. We got to see Bill Murray be contemplative. We got to see Bill Bill Murray be, you know, dramatic. Mm -hmm. That's not anything we'd really seen before. And then a lot of the films that came after, he got to stretch that even further, and he probably has this film to thank for it. But had it been a much heavier tone throughout, without the comedy elements, it would not have been as big of a success as it was. And we wouldn't be talking about it 20 some odd years later, 30 years later.
2: Well, and that, right, because this movie is one of those that's also... It's not bound by a single genre of any kind. It is, it's romantic comedy. It is straight comedy. It is science fiction type in nature. Uh, it, it is philosophical when you get down to it. And that's part of what I want to get into the conversation about is, is this was really well laid out in how it went through the potential psychological impact of going through something like this.
3: As you, as you said, Harold Ramis was a, a co-writer of the screenplay, mm-hmm. and it was based on a story by uh, Danny Rubin, I think, who also worked on the screenplay. And when it came to uh, the character of Phil going through his time loops, they kind of based them on the, uh, the stages of grief. Yes, and you totally see it. Anger and acceptance and, you know, all, all that. Uh, and yes, you absolutely see that in this. Well, yeah, because the first stage literally
2: is denial. And yes. that is the first thing that happens when he first
3: goes through the first couple loops. But what else did you want to talk about? Philosophical uh, bits. I, I believe I also read, too, that they kind of were looking at, like, Buddhism and the idea of the reincarnation and things like that.
2: Well, yeah, uh, well, we can go... Actually, you touched on on the major one going through the stages grief, uh, because that is entirely how the whole time loop is laid out. The first opening section is just straight up denial. He he he's like, "This isn't happening." Even th- when we get to his second loop, he's still kind of like, "This is not happening." And then mm-hmm. you, you get into the the anger where he is. Okay. Screw it. I'll do whatever I want. Um, and, and they have fun with that. But, I mean, he is acting out entirely. Right. Um, he gets to the point where he's suicidal and he is actually trying to kill himself. He, he Before he even does the killing himself, he decides, okay, I'm going to have fun with it. And so it's not just the the anger. There's almost an interim stage there where, where um, I guess they... Uh, Oh, there's a there's a stage in grief like where it's negotiating or mm-hmm. something like that, and that's the stage where where he's like, okay, well I'm in this, so let's see what I can do with it, and that's when he starts uh, really womanizing during the whole thing, or just living out little fantasies because he's stuck here. He might as well try some stuff. And then when it doesn't play out, when he actually meets the person that he's probably the most fascinated with, Andy, um, or what, you know, Rita, Rita, and then film,
3: it's Andy McDowell. Um, and why wouldn't you be fascinated with Andy McDowell? Right. Yeah. She's pretty adorable here. She is
2: very (laughs) adorable. Right. Right. Down to the little buck tooth face she makes with, (laughs) as the groundhog, um, but no, he he becomes enamored with her, and and I think his heart is in the right place, but his 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 approach is all wrong because he's still trying to get that other other approach down. And when that after doing that, Lord knows how many loops he went through to do it, and he still can't pin down using his old ways to get what he wants. Then he goes into the suicidal rage and he just try like each loop is a new way to try to kill himself. And as amusing as it is to watch him try, um, you can only imagine what this is doing to the man that has to live through it all. And when he comes out the other side of that and and he's more into the acceptance phase, um, this is when you watch a man grow
3: you're right yes exactly when he's like I think when he finally starts settling in I was like I think I'm a god
2: but that <laughs> and, and, and that was the next little nugget I wanted to pick up on it, it is his per, perception of what it might be to be a god like and, and, and he he touches on some stuff very subtly too while while talking about it the, the notion that I, I've just done this so many times uh, it it, maybe it's not that God is all powerful, it's just he's seen it all before.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Yeah, I like that line. That line really jumped out to me this time I was watching it. Right,
2: he's it, it, like, he isn't controlling everything. He just knows it all because he's already seen it happen so many times before. I can't do anything about it. Maybe God can't do anything about it, but yeah, he might know everything doesn't mean he's going to be able to affect anything. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that that when he finally accepts that okay, I can't do anything, but I can now do something about me. And when he settles into that, it, it that's when we get dramatic bill. That's when we get well-intentioned bill. It, it, it was it was amazing to watch that part. It's hard not to feel good. Uh, mhm. While you're watching him improve and when you get to the last loop, the last one, and he is just completely content with the person that he is and he's back to being f- the the meld of the funny version of him with some humility mm-hmm. and he successfully makes it out of that loop, you, you, the catharsis is just so good.
3: When I started watching the film, we get to the point where he starts uh, playing with the one with Nancy, I think her name yeah. was, or whatever. Nancy. And gets, yeah, he like, what's, what's your name? Where'd you go to school? What was your teacher's <laughs> name? Yeah, you know, that, and, and then uses it to get in her good graces to seduce her. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, if this film was made 10 years earlier, you would just go from that guy to he'd do the same thing with the Andy McDowell character, and everything would be okay, and he'd be the, our hero. And it would be like, oh, God, this is, ew, I need a shower. That's so disgusting. They'd revenge of the nerds it? Yes. <laughs> at first, when I'm seeing that scene, I do, I feel like, oh, that's just, that's terrible. I mean, how, how am I supposed to root for this guy that would do something like that? Right. Um, but I think you're right, is that's just, it's one of the stages that he's in at this. And you, you start thinking, would 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 I do that in, in, in this situation? Would would any normal person not being, you know, in a movie do that? And you have to like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, you got a question. But it was so refreshing that there was so much development from that to what we get in the end. I mean, you he does redeem himself i think
2: it's that whole notion um if you want to find yourself you got to hit rock bottom Uh, yeah and and he had to take himself to his worst place uh and when he when he saw the the the, his attempts at seduction especially when it didn't work on the one woman he wanted more than anything Mm -hmm. when she would not succumb to the the, it's almost while she couldn't possibly know what was going on, it was like she knew what was going on because everything was always off about it. And that last loop where he, he he's just a mess. He's trying all the same things that worked before on Rita, mm-hmm. only he he's overplaying his hand uh, in the snow scene oh, where, yeah. where he's all about... I want kids. Got to have kids. Are you? Are the kids throwing snowballs up for adoption? That the whole thing. That whole series. He is just riddled with desperation at that point, and it is literally after that that he starts doing the uh, the string of suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. And he had to. He had to find out everything that I do as a, the human being I have been up to this point doesn't work. I hit bottom, and when then. When, and then death won't even release him. <laughs> he has no choice but to go build from the ground up.
0: Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb
1: It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? I hardly. So. Especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chap lips. On their chapped, chapped lips, right. lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see his shadow? Tony Phil! That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers, it's Groundhog
3: Day! Now the actual length of the time loop has been heatly debated among circles. There, I read that uh, experts said that it takes a minimum of 10 years to truly be proficient at something sure and so you have a man who has taught himself French taught himself the piano taught himself ice sculpture <laughs> I think I'm missing something I think he's <laughs> but the point is that by at most people's best guesses he was in that loop Anything, anything between 30 to 50 years.
2: The film has no good way to convey that other than the fact that he has done all those things. But, I mean, think of all the times that he um, he went through, did all the Jeopardy! questions. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, all the possible ways that he killed himself that we didn't even
3: see. Right, um, but but he described. I've been shot, stabbed, burned. Right,
2: right. He went through at least a brief list of the ways that he tried to kill himself. Um, you know, if you were when he was in the fantasy stage, that there's no way there weren't a thousand other permutations of the way he could make that day go to to do stuff like that. I mean. Just think about the time it took him just to figure out the count on how to steal the bags of money out of the back right. of the truck.
3: <laughs> or or to actually intimate, intimately know everyone in town when he's in the cafe and he knows absolutely everything about everybody. Right. Well, So you pretty much have to he has to focus on one person for who knows how many loops to get that kind of information.
2: Well, and, and when he's when he's trying to court Rita in, in what from everybody else's perspective this is a 24 hour period of time so to learn every single potential nuance of how a conversation with Rita would go so he could get to the same point every single time what, maybe an entire year on just that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, he was in this loop a long damn time.
3: <laughs> right. So speaking of the, the that cafe scene, that was another moment where for a brief second I thought, ew, <laughs> but they, they saved it instantly with the next line. He points to the one busboy bus mm-hmm. and he mentions a bunch of things and he says, oh, and he's gay. And I thought, holy shit, did he just out some kid at, You know, in some small town of Pennsylvania? But then the kid immediately answers, oh, he's right. I'm like, oh, thank God. So everyone knows. <laughs> I thought, oh. Again, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if this was 10 years prior.
2: <laughs> True, but uh, if you also think about it, how did he find out? <laughs> he's been through the loop so many times that he has somehow found himself in a position to... It, it, in that same 24-hour period that would reveal that guy to be gay to him. So,
3: Right. Yeah, who knows? Well, I like to think, too, just like everybody else, it could just been over years of having different conversations with the same person. Absolutely. Um, he, but he, I, I could see him, definitely the way that he was doing things at that time, I could see him looking around and going, Okay, that guy in blue. I'm going to keep talking to that guy. And he's just going to keep doing it until he gets as much information as he can from that guy in that day.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and when we get to the point where he's actually trying to build his life back and he's focused on the old man that was begging at the yeah. corner. And this is another one. This is actually one of the the, the deeper more dramatic, mm-hmm. more philosophical moments through that is he spends how many different loops trying to save this old man. That in itself becomes a moment of acceptance too is every single iteration of, his, of the loop ultimately there's not anything that he can do to save that man. And at some point he has to come to terms with I can only do so much.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) And when you're a guy in this kind of situation and you're starting to feel a little godlike, because, I mean, you can do anything. You can be anyone. You can know everything about everyone around you. And then to still be humbled by the fact that there are still things outside of your ability, even in this brief moment in time, that's
3: another spot where he got humbled. Gosh, this is one of those films. Where it when it's so good, it's like, what do you say? It's so much easier when there's when you when you can
2: when you can pick on it to pieces.
3: It, when you can start picking threads, and that's kind of where I, why I've brought out a couple moments where you know, had it been a different movie, sure, <laughs> I would have been. Oh, this is one of the what? This is one of the bad spots, but. Uh, they actually save themselves <laughs> within the same movie here. So,
2: Since we're talking about time travel, um, this is not one of your typical time travel films. He's not actually so much traveling in time. He's right. looping time. But because they have chosen the time loop, he gets to live out what is essentially in another tire, entire lifetime, in the span of a twenty-four hours, that he just never leaves.
3: Mm-hmm. So, um, it's an interesting plot device. I like too how they use this time loop, and that time is not—it's um, still fluid. He can make changes to that time. <laughs> you know, e- each loop is a little different because of the things that he he does without knowing whether or not that this is going to be the last loop or not and you know the what he what changes he makes could or could not reset themselves right um but i like that the fact that this time loop is it's different every time it's not the same time it's not the same events every single time he goes through. It might be for other people that he doesn't interact with, Right, but he can still make those little slight changes that affect everything around him.
2: And that's an interesting point in our exploration of time travel anyways, is the notion of what does it mean to change a moment in time? I don't think Harold Ramis and uh, and Danny Rubin set out to necessarily kind of explain where this came from I don't know that they're going for a metaphysical kind of thing of any kind we don't actually know there's no device there's no creature there's no energy there's no precipitous for for this loop to have happened other than There is a man in need of saving Mm -hmm. uh, who doesn't know that he needs saving, doesn't realize he's been given an opportunity to be saved, and yet it's here. It's happening.
3: I read, and if Wikipedia is to be believed, so take this with a grain of salt, Sure, it is mentioned that apparently uh, producer Trevor Albert said that in a meeting with Columbia... One of the execs wanted an explanation for the loop. Oh, yeah? Apparently there was a suggestion of maybe a jilted lover placing a curse on him or a scientist's invention gone awry. Trevor Albert, Harold Ramis, and Danny Rubin worked on those ideas but agreed to uh, put them very late in the shooting schedule to make them really difficult to get to (laughs) and also agreed that even if they were forced to shoot them, they would leave them out of the final edit, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and kudos to them for doing that. Yes. I, 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 there's a case of overreach by a uh, by a production company. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like again, uh, y'all, you kind of wonder where some executives like that get their sense of what audiences actually like, because <laughs> I think. When you hear that kind of thing, that they really do think that audiences are the dumbest people on the planet. Like, yes. There is there is so much to be um, obtained in leaving something to our imagination. We wouldn't be having this conversation if they explained it to the nth degree. Uh, right. And this is how you get longevity out of out of any of these things, is give people something to talk about. If you ruin it all,
3: (laughs) it doesn't help. And also, by not giving any kind of explanation or anything, it helps keep this film timeless. Mm -hmm. They made a point to not mention any dates other than it's February 2nd. Right. They don't ever mention the year. No. They don't mention any events that go on, you know, any current events that were going on at the time no, of filming I, and or that's anything. the beauty
2: of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. It, it is small town nowhere, so it sits outside of time unto itself anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you get that whole sense, this could be any time.
3: And, and that really, really, I think, helps give this film longevity. I can't help but think, if that story was true, that executive came out of, like, disney or something and like his favorite films like the nutty professor or something you know that's that's the mentality you know honey i shrunk the kids What oh, oh let's have a create a wacky inventor or something yeah
2: so that, that would have been terrible thank god yes uh well i think we generally attribute harold ramus with being a, a fairly smart man so <laughs> he's talented at what he has done throughout his career and has continued to prove
3: it yeah how would you even at this point in his career why would you even question right Harold Ramis We're, yeah look I know you made a really big hit with the Ghostbusters and the Caddyshack and the stri- yeah go on and 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 and, and <laughs> but <laughs> we think you should <laughs> the audacity of that executive oh my yeah. god
2: yeah you gotta kind of sit in there um God, can you even imagine being Harold Ramis? I, I could almost picture the odd, almost Egon-like look on his face with an eyebrow going up as, as somebody's trying to tell him how to do his job. Now, one other element I did want to get into with this film is uh, is also the beautiful choice of, one, the main character being named Phil. Yes. Um... Being a weatherman, and essentially, at the onset of the film, it already described what was going to happen in the film with just his little weather thing. This is a man that was already irritated by the fact that his day is the same day every day. Being a weatherman, that's his job. He shows up, he talks about the weather in very...
3: Really, ways,
2: and then he goes home, and he comes back, and he does it all over again.
3: Right. So oh, this is this is your third visit to Poxitani, isn't it? Right. Fourth. Four. It's the fourth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even year after year, it is starting to look a lot like it's the same thing over and over again. So the this whole plot device to go through the time loop constantly was a way to take they even did it in the middle uh cuz as he talks about like he's at the bar um with with the two guys uh in the in the red car um mm-hmm. and he's talking with them about literally what's happening to him how he's living the same day over and over again and even they're like uh yeah that that's our life um and mm-hmm. this movie kind of shakes up the notion of you don't need a time loop to recognize when you're stuck. And if you can figure out that you're stuck, maybe you can start to figure out how to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice little, um, it dovetails nicely there.
3: Yeah, no, the film has a lot of layers that I think unless you revisit it occasionally, mm-hmm. you forget.
2: And I highly recommend it. I, I actually heard of, a. Uh, a, a family or something that used to make it a thing to watch Groundhog Day every year on Groundhog Day to the point where they had to skip a Groundhog Day because going kind of no, I think I I think I know that one by heart by by, <laughs> by now. But then even just the act of skipping one year forced wanting to do it the next year so badly.
3: So there's a, a joke or a meme that floats around online about the idea of, like they should announce a, a, a remake of Groundhog Day but then not just show the original Groundhog Day <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it's a joke but also yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly what they should do
2: <laughs> that that would be fantastic just remaster it <laughs> right <laughs> clean it up make it look a little fresh and new uh, but yeah otherwise don't touch it <laughs> mm-hmm that would be brilliant I'd go <laughs> I would happily plunk down my whatever it is it's now 15 20 bucks to go see it
3: yeah I might actually uh, be willing to do that too yeah no
2: I-, I would be willing to go see it in Punxsutawney Pennsylvania Right after I'm done seeing the rat tell me whether or not there's going to be more winter.
3: (laughs) I have to think, I've never looked up, but I have to think that there's a local theater and I have to think they show this during the festivities. A new
2: friend of mine told me that uh, somewhere down in the greater D.C. area there is a pub that today is showing Groundhog Day every two hours for the full 24 hours.
3: (laughs) Nice.
2: Like, damn, if I weren't recording this, might have to have been there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, this was a fun rewatch.
2: And this is a one, like you said, it's already timeless. But because of the the elements that are in here, all the layers that we've been discussing so far, it hits you different at different times of your own life. So... For us, I mean, th- this was 1993, so we've been watching this for at least once in a while for the past several decades.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think as as you get older, I'm sure that me in 1993 saw him doing the whole, you know, what's your name? Where'd you go to school? And thinking, yeah, yeah. that's what I, yeah, you know. And, yeah, obviously now I'm looking back and go, ooh, yeah, <laughs> no, no yeah so so i'm i'm a little bit more towards the end when he's running to catch the kid out of the tree and getting upset that of all the times you've never thanked me love that hard not
2: to lose myself as soon as the kid starts falling what do you say what do you say (laughs) damn it the only thing uh, i i could say negative uh, about this and why you don't watch it more than than you should (laughs) <laughs> it is it, is nobody needs Sonny and Cher in their head like that.
0: <laughs> then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Babe, I got you, babe. I got you.
1: It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? I don't I'm think so. Hardly. Especially cold. Especially cold, yeah. okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chapped lips. On their chapped chap lips, right. lips. Do you think Phil's gonna come out and see his shadow? Punk's Tony Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog
3: Day! It has been kind of rattling around in my head ever since I started watching it. I only just started today, but yes, the rest of the day since as soon as I started this film, as soon as that happened, and from that moment on, <laughs> that's been rattling around in my head all day. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, for that alone, I can not I can almost picture him just murdering himself for a full decade. <laughs>
3: I could definitely relate to him. How many times did he smash that clock?
2: For that, you almost wonder did he start tinkering with what time of day he actually tried to kill himself because if you do it too quick, you're going to hear it right away again. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> What's some time in between? Yeah, yeah. If
2: you, if you do it at six Oh one is six o'clock's coming right, right around again. <laughs> Are
3: there any, uh, reviews on this film?
2: Oh yeah. 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 We got so going on this, uh, reviewing it ourselves. I almost forgot. Uh, Interestingly enough, the uh, the one that I want to uh, review is actually, it's really kind of awesome because it's Roger Ebert, and he's hit, Roger Ebert reviewing it in 2005. It's actually seven, a couple decades later, and the part I'm going to read for you is literally right out of the gate. So he says, Groundhog Day is a film that finds its note and purpose so precisely that its genius may not be immediately noticeable. It unfolds so inevitably, is so entertaining, so apparently effortless, that you have to stand back and slap yourself before you see how good it really is. This is him essentially revisiting. He even goes on to say, certainly I underrated it in my original review. So wow. This hits on what we've been discussing. It This... After you've seen it, and after you've tied it into this holiday, it, it's a fact in your life. And as we've also hit on, anytime you revisit it, it's hitting you at a different stage in your life, and it means a little bit something else each time, because there's so much to this film that's other than just a a romantic comedy.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I like the, the fact that you you know, watches it later and went, wow, that's better than what i remember right it's just like we were saying i mean we both remember liking the film mm-hmm. but now we're watching it again and going and, and finding and picking out so many more things that just raise it even higher than what our initial uh, reaction was
2: and, and, and as he points out I, that's kind of the genius of it is it, it's, it's it's a stages film it's a it's a it's a path to maturity that uh it's not evident, like you said, back in 1993 when you watched it, you would have probably picked up on our, our the hitting on the girl thing and gone, that was super cool. Why can't I do that? Why can't I be in a loop where I can now figure out all the right things to say? Even if you take the obvious womanizing out of it, we've all had that moment where we could go, if only I could do that again, I could do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever outcome... Uh, but that's us focusing on the, what can I get out of it? It takes time to get to the point of, what can I do for somebody else with it? And that's comes with maturity. And this is, I think that's what he's feeling when he write, wrote this, is it, it hit him in a different place the next time he saw it.
3: Well, I posted to uh, Twitter that we were, and well, to the socials anyway, that we'd be watching this film and asked if anyone had any memories or, or thoughts on the film. I got a couple of responses here on Twitter. I understood that reference, that podcast, which you can find at capunderstands.com. says that this is one of my f- most beloved movies, always watchable, and gets better with age. Which is what we've just kind of discovered and what Mr. Ebert discovered. He says, Bill Murray just nails every scene and is the personification of a great comedic actor. I'd go ex- beyond that and say not just comedic, but even dramatic, dramatic. actor. Uh, Mike Forgeto of the I used to watch this podcast says I'm a big fan of the movie. A good portion of it was filmed about 30 minutes away from where I live, and a guy I used to work with was an extra. So that's actually very cool. That's He's got a little connection nice. there. That's that's neat. Our review seems to be in line with just about everybody else that does uh, that we can find. That it yeah, it gets better with age. It does. Um, <laughs> it gets better as you age. <laughs> I guess is really what it is.
2: Yeah, and I I think you find, as you age, um, some wisdom from it that maybe you didn't have an appreciation for at the time when you were a different age. Uh, The other thing that I've uh, in discussing amongst uh, the various people in my life that we were going to talk about this film. um, It's also interesting how this film, for a lot, again, being a romantic comedy, it becomes a couple film it's a it's a thing that if the two in a in a relationship th- this becomes like their movie uh like someone uh, a friend just recently told me yet she actually kind of struggles with watching it now because it was a it was a thing with uh, with with a particular person she was with and now I. Now it hurts a little. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but I mean, it this has that kind of grasp. This is the thing that can also bring people together if you share this. So, it's kind of cool.
3: The only thing else I had I uh, got a, a a brief email from Ryan who just says that uh hello great podcast and they love it when we when us guys do MST3K movies. <laughs> so they they enjoyed last year's uh, MST3K Unrift series. So did we. <laughs> Yeah, so, so did we. Yeah, I've, I'm thinking that um, that will happen again. <laughs> it, it's you and I. How could it not? <laughs> yes. A- and possibly, I, I am pretty sure there's some time travel films that Mystery Science Theater did. So we may have to incorporate that a little bit into this theme.
2: Uh, if there's opportunity, I know that we can.
3: <laughs> I think the only thing left to do is to let people know what will be we will be discussing on the next episode we actually know this time I don't think I think this is the first we, in this entire series we,
2: we we went back in time after recording this in order to get it right <laughs> this time so today's loop went correctly
3: yeah yeah exactly we we, we pulled something like uh, uh Bill and Ted <laughs> <laughs> we went we went. We went forward in time to figure out what we did and then went back in time and wrote ourselves a note so we would know what we were going to do in the future. And then we
2: talked to Socrates along the way.
3: (laughs) Uh, We are going to go into television and we're going to start looking at 1966's series, The Time Tunnel. We're going to go ahead and watch uh, two episodes. We feel that will help uh, fill the uh, the episode out. And I found from uh, Episode Ninja which uh, episode.ninja, great website name. I don't know how you came up with that or how you got it, but damn, they they rated what they think are the uh, top 10 best Time Tunnel episodes. So we're going to do a couple. We'll do number one, which is the premiere, Rendezvous with Yesterday. And the number two, which they feel is the second best episode, is actually episode four, The Day the Sky Fell In. So I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen an episode of the Time Tunnel.
2: No, neither have I. So uh, we're, we're we're relying on you, ninjas.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope you're correct. Uh, this will be fun. This is a series we were just discussing before we started recording. That it was not a series that found its way to the uh, the syndication run, at least that we knew about. I mean, we remember watching all kinds of things growing up mm-hmm. that would show up on our UHF station. Mm-hmm time tunnel was not one of them
2: for once we can say something uh, outdates us uh, for for a bit so because it ran for a single season and before we were born um, since it never made it to syndication it didn't make it into our viewing
3: whether or not it was syndicated it wasn't syndicated in our area mm-hmm. anyway because if it had been i know i would have caught it
2: no i'm certain that you would have <laughs> But if you think about it too,
3: I don't recall it making it into even
2: the cable verse.
3: Um, right. Yeah. When Sci-Fi Channel first came around, I don't recall them showing the time tunnel. No. Well, so if they did, for whatever reason, I skipped it.
2: Yeah. Or we. Com- yeah. We completely it missed our radar entirely. Right. All pre-internet, so, anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I'll, it, and since we're trying to dive into as many ways that time travel... It, I, I, like, I literally don't know even the plot device in this yet, other than I assume there's a tunnel involved.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it's in the title there. I, I, there no, no, Tom. no,
2: I know, but I mean, we don't know anything about it. We don't it's know what it is. pretty much
3: what it, it says on the tin, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I get that. that. No, I'm not that dance uh, I mean uh, but we don't know where it comes from what it
3: is we haven't seen it so we don't know yeah. how this
2: fits into the whole genre
3: yeah though no, it should be fun and we get to see Julie Newmar she's in this and that never hurts no absolutely <laughs> not alright so that is going to do it for this episode thanks everyone for listening looking forward to talking to you in a couple weeks until then bye see ya
0: then put your- Get